Welcome to season three of the Minority League, a podcast about hockey and the people who make it happen. From minorities making history to those who've built and developed the game. We're on and off the ice with players and coaches and people behind the scenes. And we're sharing our love of the game with you. I'm Inar Virji, a journalist and writer from Washington, D.C. And I'm Manashi Mukherjee, a TV executive living in Miami. And And this this is is the Minority Minority League. On this episode, we speak to children's book author Anthony Walsh and anthem singer Sonia Bryson Kirksey from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're both finding ways to make hockey more inclusive. But more about that in a minute. First, let's talk Diwali Nights. Manashi, for people who might not know what Diwali is, um, can you tell me what it is and what it celebrates? Sure. Um, Essentially, Diwali marks the end of a celebratory period of time in India um, and South Asia for Hindus, Sikhs, Jains, Buddhists, and actually a lot of Muslims too, right? Yeah, Indian Muslims like me um, celebrate it as well. Yeah, so it's it's a really um, kind of an extended period of time of, you know, celebrations and pujas and religion, religious um, festivals. There are tons of different rituals and traditions that are celebrated all throughout South Asia. Um, and I, there's a there's a whole like mythological story about the origin of Diwali, um, which <laughs> you can either Google or DM us if you want to hear it. I'm happy to share it with anybody, but I won't go into it here because it's pretty lengthy. Um, but essentially, Diwali itself is the last night of a nine night celebration of the triumph of good over evil. And in most places, it's celebrated with lots of candles. And actually, the part of India that I'm from, West Bengal, they have a lot of fireworks and other, you know, people stay up all night. And it's mostly just a great time to gather uh, with your friends and family, share sweets and gifts, dress up, and then, you know, wishing everybody well for the next year. It's such a nice celebration. And I love um, festivals and holidays that have to do with food and celebrating um friends and family. And I really love that some NHL teams are now celebrating Diwali and have some beautiful designs for their Diwali nights. Yeah. I mean, I think like one of the first things that drew me to hockey was the Canucks and the fact that they had a Diwali night at all. And we got merch that first year of our podcast from, from them. Um, and both this year, both the Canucks and the Sharks had beautiful designs for Diwali and for their Diwali nights. Uh, the Sharks logo completely slayed. I loved it. And I bought a shirt. So now I have to go to a Sharks-Panthers game, I guess. We first learned about Anthony Walsh through his children's book, Hockey is for Everybody, Anthony's Goal. We spoke with him over the summer when the second book in the series, Anthony Goes to Camp, was released. Anthony is much more than an author, however. His high school team won a state hockey championship, and he recently completed his Juris Doctorate. So he's a lawyer, too. He coaches youth hockey in his spare time, and this busy 29-year-old just announced that he intends to run for Congress in 2024. Um, I mean, I mean, we're talking to you because, well, for many things, because of your <laughs> book and your community work, but... It's, it gets down to hockey. Like, how did you get into hockey? What made you want to be a hockey player? I love that question. Thank you. Um, so, uh, funny enough, too, just kind of rambling out, but so, because uh, I just had to skate, um, you know, uh, man, probably, you know, 50 plus kids had shown up. Uh, the rink was just packed. But somebody that had come was um, a dude that had grown up in the same neighborhood as uh, my family back before we had moved and um, to where we live now and my brother. So how I got started skating 
uh, saw this group called the Dynamites uh, at my church that I was at, Park Avenue United Methodist Church. Um, it, their message was reconciliation through the gospel. And so being from a family, I'm an adoptee. Um, and so there was a lot of biracial families, um, families that had transracial adoptees, et cetera. So it was just a lot of diversity, but love. And um, But they had a hockey team. And um, they, my, they got an award in 1999. And my brother, who's five years older than myself, uh, saw them getting an award. I was three at the time, he was eight. He started skating, then I started skating because my wanted everything my brother was doing. And so the rest kind of happened from there. And I started playing hockey uh, when I was about four and then, uh, you know, took, took over everyone, everything from there. So yeah, like big, big representation matters kind of person because even still to this day, we don't know who those, who those young boys were, who were getting that award. We just saw them or my brother saw them. And, um, you know, they were young black kids and he's like, oh, wait, like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Um, my parents said they're, they're, they're playing hockey and they're getting an award. And my brother said, I want to play hockey. And that's literally, you know, how it goes. And so, uh, you know, full circle moment, I saw somebody he had skated with one of the first times he'd ever skated yesterday, uh, or two days ago after, you know, there was an event. And so, yeah, it's really cool. That's how I got into it. Uh, my brother, uh, representation matters because he got into it because he saw some other people, uh, you know, that were part of the game that were young black kids. So, um, you never know the ripple effect that you're going to create by just being present somewhere usually. So that's, that's cool. What a great, um, what a great memory too, to like, remember that that happened and that's what inspired you. What about hockey excites you right now? Like in this moment, this year. Okay, okay. So yeah. So bringing kids together who are of different backgrounds, um, you know, you, it had done like a study in the military back in like 1954. And it had shown that like you bring people with different backgrounds together, you have no hierarchy, you have no um, like real like, you know, you have a goal and um, you bring everybody together and you make hard challenges, right? You challenge them, you make them go through all these hard tests and all that kind of stuff. And they found that when you put people through that again, um, things like race, uh, religion and uh, orientation like that falls to the wayside and allows you to just kind of like be a human being and so I think that you practice that a lot in team sports when you're a lot younger and so for instance like I grew up I was always one of the only uh, black people on my team African Americans there were um, like sometimes it would be Latinos or an Asian player or um, a, a couple of other players from uh, who might be uh, Native American or indigenous but um, yeah normally I would have been the only person of color but something I would find is that just that especially with like my youth hockey teams like all that kind of stuff in high school um, we, we were just a unit, right? And even now when we still talk about these kind of things, we realize that I was not seen as, you know, this black hockey player to my teammates. I was just seen as the line mate, right? Because like at the end of the day, if you're trying to win the battle in the corner, you're trying to win the shift, you're trying to win the game, you're trying to win the tournament, the season, right? That's all you want to do. And so the person next to you really, again, is just going to be there to help you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So I think that that's why I love hockey. I think that's why I've loved just team sports growing up, you know, being a part of groups because um, as I get older, uh, you see kind of who um, has participated maybe in things that had been in groups when they were younger, now translating to when they're older, you know, in a work setting, in a school setting, maybe you're in a group project at, at school or something. Um, you see that translated versus somebody that maybe has not had to work through those problems in a group prior. Um, and so, yeah, you really get a chance to, to see that develop. And so I love hockey uh, for that reason. I love the fact that it's, you know, helped me be disciplined. It helped me want to uh, stay in shape, right? I, I just, I love to, um, you know, 
continue to I have one body like you know teach like a temple like all these kind of things it's really important that you you, you learn that from a young age because um you know if you don't use it you lose it and you know all these other kind of sayings but yeah I, I really attribute so much of my ability to uh, problem solve to you know show up and be present um I know I, I uh had mentioned that I was one minute late but normally like you know I like to you know try to be on time because you know the puck puck drops and the puck drops and they don't you know, wait for people right all that kind of stuff so you 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 get to learn um a lot of skills that translate over in life through a sport like hockey and that's why again I advocate one for hockey so I wrote a book called hockey is for everybody and um that has allowed me to now uh, spread a positive message of love inclusivity and so whether that be in a classroom with elementary kids college kids uh, high school or that is in corporate offices uh I have given, you know, speeches as, as far as like, you know, never give up resilience and why it's important for people of different backgrounds uh, to interact, um, you know, whether that be when you're younger, whether that be when you're an adult. Uh, so uh, that's a lot of what I do. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Uh, what motivated you to write a children's book? And, and now you have two books. So I was uh, born in Washington, D.C. and. Um, this is going to make more sense in a second, but um, so I was adopted to Minnesota. I spent my life doing all that. Uh, Washington, D.C. was just always a part of my life being born there. I'd always wondered who my biological family was. Um, my, my brother is also an adoptee, but he did not have any of that kind of stuff. And so, like, you know, there's different people that are when you're, you know, have that experience. So for myself, that's something I'd always wanted um, from undergrad. I had found a biological family member through Ancestry.com, which was actually not my the reason I did Ancestry, but just um, I wanted to know more of my heritage, my background helps, you know, information and stuff like that. So, but happened to find a biological aunt. So, um, my I learned you know, my family was still out in D.C. and all these kind of things. My adoption was a secret; it was closed. Um, so uh, it was news to her, right? And so I went out to D.C. Uh, to find them. Uh, I went to law school, all that kind of stuff like that. Um, and that was when the pandemic happened. George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota had happened and I was grew up here. So it wasn't just like this crazy event. It, it had happened that affected everybody. It was that it happened. And I also recognized every single thing in the video. Um, you know, I had felt like, again, uh, you know, different crowd per se, but just that like, had I been in the same place at the same time, similar situation, I could have very much been George Floyd. Um, so just very much changed my perception and my perspective on things. And I, I had graduated, I've just graduated, but, um, you know, going at the time, um, I had found my biological family in, in uh, Washington, D.C., like all these other things that I had been doing, but something that called me at that moment to say, like, this is ridiculous, you know, Minneapolis is in the wrong light. Um, I would walk around with the Hennepin County Attorney's Office shirt on because I had interned there twice in undergrad. And I would walk around anonymous, you know, before that would happen. And then I would wear the shirt after that. And people literally twice it happened where they'd stop me in the street and they'd grab my shoulders and they'd shake me and they'd say, Hennepin County, oh my God, that's where George Floyd was murdered. Why are you wearing that shirt? And I'm like, you know, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's not like that. Obviously, again, we've all seen this incredibly horrible thing that happened, but that's not, not the Minnesota that I knew and loved and I grew up in. So I, I did feel like I was compelled to go and do something. And, um, you know, if you have a wound, that's cut on your hand, you know, you don't start to heal it on your foot, you want to heal it on your hand. And so I went to the source of where this, where this, you know, excruciating event, and this excruciating wound um, occurred, and, you know, to try and heal it, it just happened to also be where I was uh, from and grew up. So uh, when I got back in Minnesota, now on the reason, like, why the book, um, you know, ended up being a thing, 
I grew up playing hockey. I grew up uh, being around the rink every single day. You know, I was a complete rink rat. Um, you know, whether I was skating or watching my brother, watching my friends, I was always at the rink. And so when I moved back, that was where I went, was to the rink. And so, um, you know, I started coaching and I coached youth hockey. And I had a lot of parents that were coming up to me and just, you know, being a black man. And they were like, oh, hey, like, you know, I blah, 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 this happened to my son. He was called you know, a monkey or they called him a terror, you know, just like just little, little things going on, right? And, you know, microaggressions or flat out racism, right? And so I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this and just, you know, don't know what to do. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is exactly almost verbatim some of the stuff that had happened to me. You know, what what is going on, right? So, um, you know, when you see a problem, you want to fix it. I wanted to be that person I knew I needed when I was younger. Um, you know, I wanted to, you know, create something that um you know was again going to promote this healing that i knew i wanted to see but didn't necessarily know how to go about it and so um it just kind of came to me as okay i can write a children's book um a book right because you have to be carefully taught um so that's why it's a children's book and then um yeah from there it kind of just like took off into the things i've been doing now as far as speaking and more coaching and i'm on a few boards of um you know organizations that work on i'm um, trying to expand the game uh almost a, a hockey collective is uh a really cool organization that I'm on the board of, but also help support. And we're Twin Cities based um, in Minnesota, you know, expanding, growing every day and looking at just finding ways to expand the game and kind of plug in those holes that some other organizations um, might have more of a blind spot to just because it's hard to handle every single, uh, you know, aspect of trying to get people involved in playing hockey. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been, you know, a whirlwind. I, I definitely, I'm so grateful for the response that, you know, I've had, you know, I'm talking to you right now because of that. And so it's been, it's been a really cool opportunity. As we were going to record this episode, I asked Anar if she'd ever been to Minnesota. And I'm today years old, finding out that she was born there. How have I known you for 25 years and not known that? I actually don't know. <laughs> um, sorry, when this happened, I started laughing so hard, I thought I might cry. Just also because it's pretty delightful that we've known each other for so long, and we're still finding out new things about each other. That's kind of a nice thing. And, um, you know, I, I didn't live in Minnesota for long, but um, my parents lived there for like for a few years before I was born. And um, they used to go to University of Minnesota hockey games. So maybe that's partially where my love of hockey comes from um that that might explain a bit of it yeah I mean you just uh bleed gold and black like <laughs> I just thought you were Pittsburgh through and through but now your late your latest obsession with the wild totally makes sense you said that in writing this um the children's book which is called hockey is for everybody that you I mean some of the things that happen in the book were taunts that you were called. And it, so you're drawing on your own experiences as a child, writing this book and trying to grapple with this really enormous event that's happened in the United States that's caused like massive protests over racial inequality. Like how did it, I mean, you really opened up about your experiences. How does it feel to um, write about those and talk about those in an effort to really bring about change. Uh, yeah, there was an article that had been, that was written on, on me um, in 2013. Um, it had been after our season that we won the state championship. I had a very visible 
state tournament. I had um, played on the winning team and had this really cool goal that people remember, all this kind of stuff, right? You know, people say things like, um, you know, go back to the basketball court, why aren't you eating bananas? Um, you know, like, uh, worse, right? Like, stuff like that. And I talked about that in the article. And so almost lifted quotes from that article tried to happen to me that season, the season before, all that kind of stuff. It's verbatim actually in the book. I think that, like, when you look at the breakdown again of like youth hockey in Minnesota, um, 86% of kids are um, non people of color um, when you're for youth hockey under the age of 13 in Minnesota. And like, if you're playing hockey, you are going to be immersed, right, in the sport. And nine times out of 10, like, that's what your, your third space is going to be. So if 86% of people are of, you know, one homogenous group, uh, always at the range, right? And this is, you know, you're in northern Minnesota. You're never going to see Chris McClure at the ring almost. You know? So, but just again, so it's like this is where you're spending all your time. Like, you know, when when do you get a chance to interact with somebody with a different culture or background, right? And so, like, and that's again where I I, I see the breakdown of what happened to George Floyd. It didn't happen overnight, right? The culture of Derek Chauvin kneeing on his neck for ten minutes, well, you know, round roughly again, you know, roughly seven minutes, right? Like, it it just. Like the, that, that was inhumane, right? We saw the depravity of a human heart um, towards another human being during that situation. Like that doesn't happen overnight. And so like, you know, again, like growing up here, um, you know, you, you see that kind of stuff. And so it's just kind of like, that wasn't as, as surprising as it was, I wasn't as surprised, but just that, like I wanted again, like, you know, this, this is something that's important and it's that important. And like, there's a hockey aspect of it. And I've been doing that for, you know, over a decade, but now there's this bigger, human rights, civil rights component that was right in my backyard, you know, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that's where, again, it just started to all kind of click being like, you know what? Like, I, I really feel like, and again, the aftermath where if, because of the network I'm plugged into, the amount of people that, you know, were not people of color that did not understand, like, the situation, like, you know, why, why are people doing what they're doing? And I'm like, had that been, your brother, sister, nephew, niece, all that kind of stuff under that person's neck, like you wouldn't be asking the same question. And so I just feel like, again, like bridging, taking my background that I've had in my life and bridging, you know, uh, some of these, uh, you know, worlds is a, it's been something that, again, has been a duty I've been obligated and, you know, I've, I've been doing it. And so it just like I, I've been doing hockey work, trying to get the game, you know, to be more diverse for, you know, over a decade, a decade. But, um, you know, seeing the greater picture of like, whoa, like, what had happened to George Floyd might actually hockey can you know plays a role in that because we're in Minnesota and a majority a vast 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 majority of kids playing youth hockey which is a, a sport that most kids are playing in Minnesota are surrounded by a homogenous group that looks like themselves and so then these people grow up and they never are surrounded with people that are different than them which allows for the environment um you know uh, a hostility towards the other to happen to George Floyd and now it's just mixing with the civil rights human rights component because I've seen the bigger picture of you know what hockey can do what um you know like what led to this cataclysmic event that happened when george floyd was murdered by derek chauvin and kind of again seeing hockey as maybe being this catalyst that could really um you know promote um moving in the right direction thanks so much for talking about that and for answering that i mean it's it just it struck me as um just very remarkable and um, a very thoughtful way to think about what you personally can be doing to address um, 
racial injustices. And so, yeah, thanks for, thanks for talking about that. We could, we could move Maybe, on to I was going to say just one platform, way. too. Like, everybody, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, looks out of the platform, like, but <laughs> everybody, like, you can, like, not you, per se, but it just, like, anybody listening to this, like, you know, you, like, we, we all have the power. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, and that's something that, you know, I've realized, right? And this is something that's been actually... And maybe you'll honestly ask me this question, so I don't want to take it from you, but I'll just say it right now is one of the beautiful things about coaching and mentoring, right? Being around kids is that like seeing that light bulb click, right? Of like, wow, I have the power to control my own life. Like I can be whoever I want to be. I don't have to be a bully, right? I don't have to be somebody that, you know, is mean to people. Like I could be empowering the people. I could, you know, step in and, you know, help somebody that's going to having a tough day. And um, so just when that light bulb goes on, if it's like, it's on me to be a good person, um, it's it's incredible, and so uh, anyway, yeah, I I just feel like you know as you're saying that it's like yeah, we all have the power, like, you know, we all have a story, we all have it. Just kind of you know, it just takes that that step to want to go out and to do it. And so, no, that's great. I feel like, I feel like Minashi wants to say. I just want to say that that's that's like a that's an amazing closing thought. We're not done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just needed a minute to like process that. <laughs> No, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think let's move on to like a little bit lighter <laughs> topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about the Minnesota Wild and the volunteer um, work that you've done with them in their Learn to Skate program? Yeah, so the Wild, um, they do a great job. Um, they have the hockey is for me. So that is um, a skate where they uh, have young kids come. I believe it's five to nine. And uh, you come and get gear helmet. Uh, and you skate, like you just like kind of learn to skate around the ice. It's a four week program, um, so a lot of fun. And uh, last year, for instance, there was this really big success. This young kid named King, um, I think he's still playing, um, but just you know he hadn't skated before, and then he got on the ice, and by the end of it, he was you know flying around. Um, they also do something called the Little Wild, um, and that's then kind of uh, the next level where hopefully you know kids go from this hockey is for me, learn to skate. To the little wild camp and then that's a little bit more serious where you know they're going around cones and there's sticks and there's pucks and you're playing games and so um and then they've also done you know some cool stuff with uh hockey day in minnesota for instance is like this really cool event um for youth to professional hockey um you know everybody plays it's televised around the state and um you know it's a big um you know state fair for hockey with with the minnesota um you know vibe to it so uh, the wild do a great job and um you know i minnesota can be sometimes a hard state to you know get these initiatives rolling so you know just in general um you know their their effort to attempt has been awesome and you know i hope that they continue to to do that so um you know i've been i've been proud to be um you know with them and help them on some of their initiatives and uh it's sad to see some of the players who have done some great work in the community, like Matt Dumba go. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can fill that that void um, because somebody like Dumba has honestly uh, inspired a lot of kids and, um, you know, has done a lot of great things for the Minneapolis and Minnesota communities. So we want to, um, you know, sad to see him leave and, you know, to fill that kind of hole that he's going to, that his absence leaves in, in this community. Anthony had so much energy and I think his youth teams must get so much inspiration from him. I think he's got a really great story and I'm sure this is not the last we're going to hear of him. He told us uh, when we met that he is working on a third book in the series and that's definitely something we're going to be looking forward to. Yeah, it's so impressive. His career as an author, his career as a coach, he's a lawyer, and he just announced 
that he plans to run for Congress in 2024 as an independent. So if he gets elected, maybe I'll see him in D.C. Maybe I'll get to cover him for my day job. But I am seriously, I am really impressed by the range of things that he does. And uh, Minashi, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. So I thought I'd ask what you're thankful for. That's a really good question, Anar. Um, it's been a really like whirlwind year for me. I um, I was very happily like doing my TV job in New York City. Um, and then I got this opportunity to move to Miami of all places. So I'm really thankful that the move went well and that I really like my new team and I really like my new job. Um, and I actually like living in Miami. So I'm very thankful for all of that. It it could have gone south, literally, um, in a totally different direction. And um, very happy to be here. Very happy about that. Um, also, I'm really thankful for, and please don't laugh, but I am actually really thankful for the experience of going to Panthers games. It's so different from what I had experienced up north. Um, and I really like it. It's like a very enjoyable experience. The food's good. The people are friendly. It's a high energy environment. It's a fun place to go watch hockey games. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more games um, as their season continues. What are you thankful for? Uh, well, I'm thankful for family and friends and that I get to live so close to them. And I have like a really nice community in D.C., which includes a lot of my hockey friends, like uh, I see Coach Neal and the Fort DuPont Cannons um, every couple of weeks. And that's, it's so much fun to go to their practices and watch them play. So I'm grateful that I can do that. And um, I'm also just uh, thankful that I feel like I live a good, happy life. And um, I don't know that everyone feels that, but it's nice to feel that and um, to be able to feel, for the most part, I feel fairly content, which is something that I am really thankful for. That's amazing. I'm I'm so happy for both of us, really. <laughs> Same. And I'm, you know what, I'll just throw this out there. I'm also thankful for hockey. Like it's a nice distraction, <laughs> especially like uh, my job can be really tough. And I'm thankful that I have um, the sport as a distraction and something to cheer me up a lot of the time. <laughs> Sonia Bryson Kirksey is our second guest this episode. We first discovered her singing the national anthem with her bright blue lips uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning during the last few years of their playoff runs. Like her lipstick, her path to hockey was unconventional. She had a career in the Air Force before she retired as a technical sergeant. Sonia read Hockey is for Everybody, Anthony's Goal, on her podcast, and it's available for people to listen to online. Let's talk about the... Um audiobook that you narrated recently. We, we've also spoken to Anthony Walsh and he has the book Hockey is for Everybody. And I believe you, how, how did that come about? How did you get connected to him? So uh, there's a gentleman that is a uh, reporter and he does a lot of reporting for the NHL. I can't remember his name right now, but um, he is the one who introduced us to uh, each other. And it was kind of like over email and um Anthony said that he had, you know, some books that uh, he wanted me to, to try out. So he sent me the one. Um, and I was so uh, taken by the, the the concept, you know, by uh, the honesty in the story, you know, um, 
it made me feel like I needed to do something to help, you know. So I, my sister and I, during COVID, um, the first year of COVID, um, started the Sunny Reading Project. And what it is, is we go, we as a, as a form of a podcast, we go online and we read stories. So these stories can be accessed from, you know, uh, Spotify, whatever your podcast uh, platform. And our purpose was to have little kids be able to click on a link and listen to stories for hours, you know, if need be, or a bit right before bedtime or in the car when they're traveling with their parents. Um, just something, because when we were growing up, we were um, afforded uh, a, a wonderful uh, lady, our aunt, um, Evelyn, who she performed stories, y'all. She she would take a book and make it come alive. And we, as little kids, would be sitting there listening to her read. And it was an amazing thing. And I wanted to I wanted to do something to to put that back into the atmosphere. She's no longer with us, but I wanted to put um, some of Aunt Evelyn into the atmosphere so other little kids could hear stories, but also to hear them in a way that it sounds like the person is very interested in telling you the story as opposed to, you know, how some people just read. Um, but I wanted to be able to have that voice, you know, that kids listen to. Um, and my sister reads too. Um, she's done a few, but we haven't put them on the web yet. Um, and so it's mostly me specifically, but um, uh, my daughter has done one. Um, I've, I've had a few other people to do them too, but people were asking me if I wanted to have some of the players do it, you know, whatever, but that's not what the purpose was really. Um, it was just to put the stories out there for the kids. Um, so Anthony's book was a natural, you know, in that respect, because it was a book that had meaning to me. Um, and it also had, you know, that purpose, you know, that, that we're looking for minorities out there. We have a hard time sometimes. And the fact that he was able to put it in the form of a book, you know, about a kid that experienced that, um, it was so much more um, just heartfelt. So I love doing that book because I wanted people to see that um, not only does do, um, you know, people of color belong in hockey, but all sports and that sometimes they have a hard time, you know, getting through that color line, if you will, um, in sports where people don't feel like we, we should be there. We'll have more with Sonia Bryson Kirksey on our next episode. She talks about how she got the job singing the national anthem for the Lightning and what it was like winning the Stanley Cup twice. Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram at TMLpod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro and produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.